Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. It's December 10th, 2020. And I, and I have to say, this feels surreal. It, it feels surreal to wake up on a day and realize that 3, 000, more than 3,000 Americans died yesterday from the coronavirus, more than 9-11, and the President of the United States isn't saying anything about it. Of course, the President of the United States is in the middle of this coup in broad daylight. He's continuing to tweet out these bizarre calls to overturn the election. Uh, we have a, a lawsuit pending in front of the Supreme Court. It won't go anywhere. This Texas lawsuit, which is seriously way dumber than you think it is. And yet, and despite that, you have Republican attorneys general in 17 states backing the suit. And by the way, I'm totally down with uh, Tim Miller saying we need to do a hashtag. Never these guys. Tim, Tim, of course, joins me uh, for today's podcast. It's the any attorney general who endorses this Texas lawsuit. I mean, they're they have to be dead to you, right? Never all of them. Charlie, oh. I mean, just never all of them. I, I don't, and I've been, you know, uh, obviously there's this temptation to do this, right? And I, and for a while I was, I, I didn't want to kind of diminish the never of never Trump by just, you know, kind of haphazardly right. nevering everybody I hate because, you know, that would be a very long list um, as it would for you, I'm sure as well. But, but this, yeah, but this is just, uh, you have to draw a line. In the sand somewhere, and and I know that most of these guys are are just doing performative clown coup theater, and and don't you know actually actually think that this is going to happen. But but pe- there are people that are buying into this, and 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 their constituents are buying into this. I think that there are are MAGA experts and uh, you know staffers that are buying into this. I saw you know J Arthur Bloom of the American Conservative buying into this. You know, like there are I, I think people. That are tr- that are trying to justify this absurd effort, and 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 you know, I just I, I think it's worth pointing out why this is such a hard line in the sand because uh, you know, look, there's a lot of discussion about voter suppression. I think that there are there are reasonable people on both sides. There are unreasonable people on the Republican side, but there are reasonable people on both sides of the opinion about voter ID and, you know, how many days of early vote there should be having and, you know, whether, whether, you know, in some of these states that they were purposely trying to suppress the vote of the black community or, or, or other communities. And, 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 you know, that all should be debated. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, there were, there are things that are pretty gross that were done, but this is so far beyond that. This is, this is literally anti-democratic. It is taking away people's votes. That's 17 attorneys general, Rafael Ted Cruz and the President of the United States have explicitly endorsed taking away the vote of of people. I think I saw on Twitter, like you, Charlie, who, who voted by mail. Yeah. Well, uh, they're they're talking about overturning the election in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. This is mass disenfranchisement on a level that I think you have to go back into the 19th century to get anything like it. So, but on the, on this Texas lawsuit, I I just think that we need to be very, very clear for folks. This is not going to happen. The court is not going to take this up. This thing is, doesn't even rise to the level of a joke. Uh, People who've actually read it are just like rolling their eyes at what a complete legal clusterfuck it is. You know, I, you know, Andy McCarthy writes for national review and he's been Trump adjacent for the last four years. He's been very Trump friendly and he has a piece just ripping this thing. He just looks at it and he goes, look, you know, first of all, this attorney general Paxton from, from Texas is already under indictment for securities fraud. And he's caught up in another corruption investigation. He's lost like half of his staff. Um, and you know, he may be looking for a pardon who knows. And, and what McCarthy writes is he's filed a lawsuit so frivolous and so blatantly political that the top appellate lawyers in his office uh, declined to endorse it. There is no way the Supreme Court is going to entertain Texas lawsuit. There is no way I suspect that Paxton doesn't know that. And then there's Eric Erickson, who, again, supported Trump, gave money to Trump, all of that stuff, uh, but, you know, is not is not buying into this coup attempt. And he had a tweet yesterday. He said, I've read the Texas lawsuit and the FBI shouldn't be investigating Ken Paxton for shady dealings. They should investigate how he ever got a law license. This is some kindergarten bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it's so bad. And yet 17 states have bought into this and you have senators like what uh, Senator Langford from Oklahoma puts out a press release. I'm really glad that Oklahoma has joined into all of this. And Lang- Langford wasn't, I mean, he, he wasn't at, at Marsha Blackburn, Ron Johnson level of Trumpification. So the 
the hack stain is is spreading. And by the way, there's there's no doubt in my mind now that uh, that there's not going to be a. I mean, there will be a a, a congressional uh, floor challenge to the reading of the electoral votes. There there will be, um, yeah. you know, members of the House will object, and they'll have to have a debate to decide whether to throw out electoral votes. And I'm telling you, my gut tells me there there might be as many as a dozen Republican senators. You need one member of the House and one member of the Senate to go along with this to force the challenge. I think there may be a dozen senators because as soon as you have one or two, then all of these these toadies have to will be falling all over themselves. Well, me too, me too, me too. So there we are. The yeah, other thing, I mean, yeah, it's, sorry, it's just I, I have to just I just have to 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 sit with the seventeen. For a second, Charlie, yeah. because you know it's just like, I mean, this is the type of thing, especially when you when you look at how absurd the lawsuit is, that that in a saner time, you know, like you wouldn't even take Ken Paxton's phone call, right, when he calls over this, like like the 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 idea that that again, you know, I think that there's been, I think some very minor green shoots within Republican elected officials that, you know, at the state level that when push has come to shove, most of them have done the right thing on the clown coup. But, but, you know, anytime that their, their ass is not completely on the line, you know, anytime that they can sort of play footsie with Trump, they're doing it. And I, I just think it shows how deep the rod is that, that they, that, that Paxton could find, 17 other these guys that not that that you know there wasn't one or two of them that are just like you know I, i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna participate in this well, well, farce know, people are on, being asked to phone. take away the vote yeah i mean they're on the phone they're pressuring him there was one report out of uh, georgia that uh, trump called up the republican attorney general in georgia and said listen don't don't you rally attorney generals against all of this and then you have the senators in georgia Leffler and and Purdue, who I just I talk about deplorable individuals, they have they are now siding with Texas against their own state. They are siding with a lawsuit that will nullify the election in their own state. And, you know, that's outrageous enough. The depressing thing is that they are probably still going to win on January 5th. So who knows yeah. what lesson they they learned from all? Well, of right, and that's what this is about. You know, this is about testing the bumpers. You know, yeah. I, I think that we've talked about this a lot, but like, uh, there's a recognition among Republicans that that to win, you know, using the Trumpy strategy, using the Trumpy demographic, this is not a majority party to win. You know, you have to exercise the tyranny of the minority using the levers that are available to you. Some of them constitutional, the, the Senate and the Electoral College, and, and and focusing on on winning that rather than than gaining broad support. But some of them are using these other other levers to maintain control while in the minority. And and Trump doesn't it doesn't care about which you know or what is constitutional what is not he's going to continue to push the envelope push the envelope push the envelope and, and you know to see where the cracks are and all and everybody's going along with it you know I, I, this is just the danger of all this is is you never really know I, I mean i guess we do know in this case that this is not going to be the one that breaks the dam because it's no. just so clownish but you don't do never really know which you know which one will you know break the dam and allow kind of this corrupt water to to flow through and and so i mean it's just like the idea that you would put your name to something this is and and i do think this is important that this is attached to them for their life that they wanted to take jane from pennsylvania who followed the rules who who voted in a free and fair election who cast the ballot as the state told her that she should and they want to take that person's vote away from them to keep Donald Trump in power. I mean, that's that's Belarus is what that yeah, is. But, you know, there are, of course, the people who say, come on now, Tim and Charlie, get a grip because this isn't going to work. <laughs> All of this is exaggerated. Uh, people are signing on because they're kind of rolling their eyes because they know how it's going to turn out. They know that that next week the Electoral College will vote and Joe Biden will get 306 electoral votes and he's going to be sworn in on January 20th. So all of these concerns about a coup were completely overblown because, look, it's just not going to happen. And therefore, why not? Why, why not just throw a bone to the MAGA world? Why not just indulge Donald Trump's toddler psychology for just a couple more weeks? Why are you guys just taking Just a couple more weeks. Yeah. You know what? What's the big deal, right? I mean, you know, you just have 
hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and I, I guess millions now watching Newsmax, um, you know, getting, you know, getting fed this information that will demand in the future. Uh, as 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 our colleague Jonathan last predicted that 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 their politicians adhere to the uh, to the Church of Trump and adhere to the to the claim that this election was stolen from them, I, I mean this is the whole the whole Mitch McConnell thing, it, and it's the the problem is it's kind of worked for him because he's got his judges and he got his tax cuts, but this whole thing of like I'll let the future take care of itself, right? Well, that that has worked for Mitch because he is happy where he is. Um, you know, keeping his fingers on the on the uh, levers of power in the Senate, but for all these other guys who want to have future careers, who want to rise in politics, this strategy has not worked. All it has yeah. done is allowed the crazy to spiral and Donald Trump to get more and more powerful. Yeah, it may work for them, but it's not going to work for the country. Uh, Mona Chern has a great piece in the Bulwark this morning. Um, let me read one paragraph. We have now reached the stage where it isn't just that Republicans failed to rebuke Trump. It isn't just that Republicans are frightened into silence by fear of the base. We are now at the stage when a critical mass of the Republican Party has adopted Trump's disordered personality for its own. The Republican Party is in this iteration a danger to American democracy. No kidding. So I have to tell you, I've been reading a book about, uh, of all people, Spiro Agnew. Mm-hmm. And uh, what an amazing story that was. And I, and I have to say that it's really impossible to talk about what's happened to the modern Republican Party or how we got Donald Trump without going back to sort of the original demagogic Republican populist, Spiro Agnew, who was a complete and thorough crook. But the thing that makes reading about Watergate and reading about Agnew's corruption and everything makes it so a little bit surreal to use that word again, is that back in the 70s, at least, you had a recognizable moral universe. You had bumpers. You knew that at some point that if you could show that this guy had taken cash bribes in the White House, that people would say that's wrong and you need to do something about it, as opposed to where we're at now, where you feel you're at sea, that there, there is no discernible moral standard. There's no necessarily, you know, in ideological terms, right and wrong, up and down. That's what makes it so disorienting. Um, OK, so Hanukkah Miracle. Want to talk about the Hanukkah miracle first? I haven't heard the audio okay. yet, Charlie, so I'm so excited it, to hear it this live. Is, somebody taped this. This is the President of the United States at a White House Hanukkah party yesterday. Here, there's some audio of it. Let's play it. All I ask for is people with wisdom and with courage. That's all. Because if people are here, certain very important people, if they have wisdom and if they have courage, we're going to win this election in a lot of times. Hanukkah, Hanukkah miracle. We just need people with wisdom and courage. Now it's interesting that I mean it's it, and the courage would be to basically say screw the Constitution, screw the results of the election. We just want we just want to hold on to power. But the, the, the use of the word courage, I think, is it, I I said this yesterday. I think it's a it's a tell because he kind of knows that you're going to have to break shit right in order to keep him in the White House. Yeah, I I want to talk about the substance of that, but um, just listening to the audio and hearing the cheers and the shouts, I'm just like I'm like my hypochondria is like is really hitting strong right now. I'm like I was cringing just thinking about all of the airborne coronavirus spittle that was going around this Hanukkah party that was totally unnecessary. So I know that's an aside, but it was my well, initial physical reaction. <laughs> 3,000 Americans died yesterday, and it, it, it the, the depraved indifference of the administration, and frankly, about half the country, is, is, is really, you know, what an extraordinary moment we're at now. And by the way, today we might get the, 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 uh, the vaccine approved, but still it's going to be months and months and months. We're going to have 300,000 dead Americans by January 1st. And what do you have? These indoor, you know, no social distancing party, people yelling four more years. It's like it's some... It's 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 like some bark, you know, dark noir gothic moment. 
for us. It really is. I mean, it's something that like I can I sometimes think about. And I want to get back to the substance of what the no. president said, but it's it's something that I think about like. 20 years from now, like I think about my kid, like, you know, in 25 years from now, like watching a video from this time and, you know, they're in, you know, maybe they're in school or they're like, you know, doing some research on the YouTubes. And it's like, you know, back in 2020, when 350,000 people died from this, you know, pandemic, like here's a video of the president (laughs) in a packed room with people shouting at each other. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it, it really is, you know, like well, horrific. Well, also, but you know, with the and the president shouting, talking about the people with courage and wisdom. Okay, with within probably a week, everyone in that room is going to find out there. There's no no one who is that crazy that they're going to do what the president is describing as no. as, as as courage and wisdom. What are the? I, I I know I keep coming back to this. How they're going to react to this? I just yeah. Well, look here's the president's tweet this morning, and 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 yeah, and look. I mean, this is again. You know, he beats everybody down in the old Bannon line. He floods his own with shit. It's hard to have a headline every day that says, you know, in the newspaper, like that says the president is calling on judges and Republican elected officials to institute a coup on his behalf. But that's what he's doing. I mean, it's a it's it's ham handed. It's it's tiresome. But that's what he's doing. And, and, you know, if this was happening at any other time in history, if any other politician did something like this, it would be wall to wall news. But it's just there's there's a beat down element of this. But here he is to, to answer your question about what, you know, what could happen. You know, here's a tweet from 45 minutes ago. Um, he says, uh, people are upset. They have a right to be. George is the only state in the deep South that went for Biden. Really? This is going to escalate dramatically. This is a very dangerous moment in our history. The fact that our country is being stolen, a coup is being taken place in front of our eyes. I mean, you know, this is a, why is this a dangerous moment in our history? What that, why is this going to escalate dramatically? I mean, it is a subtle call, frankly, for more, for more violence. And even if not that subtle. Yeah, it's not that subtle. You're right. No, it, 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 it's it's not that subtle, especially when you realize what the atmosphere is right now. And I know you and I were talking about this uh, Chris Krebs lawsuit. Chris Krebs, who is a former cybersecurity uh, chief, who was, whose job it was to protect the election against uh, interference and disinformation. He was a lifelong Republican, was named by the Trump administration, um, you know, committed the you know unforgivable sin of saying this election was on the up and up. Uh, uh, refuted some of the conspiracy theories that Donald Trump was was putting out there and was fired for it. And then you broke the story about Joe DeGeneva saying he should be taken out and shot. Well, he's filed this long lawsuit. I'm writing a piece about it now where he talks about the way in which you have Trump world, the media and his media allies essentially using this these implied threats of violence to keep Republicans in line. That this is this is part of the plan. To keep people in line. Did you see the majority leader of the Pennsylvania State Senate yesterday yes. telling the New York Times that, you know, she, she, you know, Trump called her to, you know, twist her arm to do something about Pennsylvania's election. And she was saying that, you know, if she'd been asked to sign the letter asking that the election be thrown out, she probably would have had to have signed it because otherwise her house would have been firebombed. I mean, really, people. I know, I know when we're supposed to be talking about Hunter Biden and, and Facebook and all that stuff and things like that, but it's like, please, people, you know, yeah. we are talking about the president of the United States pushing this country to a level of division that th- there's no parallel. Okay, by the way, speaking of which, Rush Limbaugh, who I think is increasingly a tragic figure, and I don't mean that in a nice way at all. Um, did you hear what he said yesterday? He's, he's sort of moving toward the issue of secession. I mean, he's, he's clearly, he's, he's spending, let's say he's spending his twilight months in the worst kind of, of shilling and disingenuous demagoguery. But he said something yesterday that I want, that I want to talk about with you, you, Tim. So, I mean, mm-hmm. here's, you know, Mr. Mr. America, American exceptionalism, patriotism. And this is what he had to say yesterday. I've referenced this, I've alluded to this a couple of times because I've seen others allude to this. I actually think that we're trending toward secession. Oh, I see more and more people asking, what in the world do we have in common with the people who live in, say, New York? What is there that 
makes us believe that there is enough of us there to even have a chance at winning New York, especially if you're talking about votes. I see a lot of bloggers, I can't think of names right now, a lot of bloggers have written extensively about how distant and separated and how much more separated our culture is becoming politically and that it can't go on this way. There cannot be a peaceful coexistence of two completely different theories of life, theories of government, theories of how we manage our affairs. We can't be in this dire a conflict without something giving somewhere along the way. Okay, so sweet Jeebus. So, you know, the, the, old, the old rush was all about patriotism, America, American flag, right? America first, American exceptionalism. And now it's like, well, maybe sedition, maybe secession, maybe a little <laughs> bit of treason here. Maybe we just can't get a, what do we have with in common with those people from New York? I don't know, like five minutes ago, I thought they were fellow Americans, but apparently we have these irreconcilable differences, Tim. We can't live, you know, by the way, why, why did he say New York instead of California? Because I'm sitting here in Wisconsin going, okay, Tim Miller lives in Oakland, California. What have I got in common with Oakland, <laughs> California? Why not California? What do I have in common with Arkansas right now? But why New York? I don't know. I'm just ranting. Yeah. No, I mean, I have two thoughts to this. One is I wrote a couple of weeks ago for the Bulwark something called that they are what they say that they said they hated. <laughs> you know, like this is there's a lot of these sorts of things where, you know, the same themes that that were the lifeblood of conservative talk radio and of Republican politics for years and years, you know, are all things that now they have completely adopted in the Trump era, you know, this grievance politics, this, you know, needing a safe space, this, um, you know, uh, and, and this is true with, with regards to like the lack of patriotism. I mean, could you imagine what Rush would have said about, I don't know, say Jesse Jackson saying something like this in the nineties and about how un-American that would be. And, you know, how, uh, you know, I mean, you could just imagine the grotesque language that, that Rush would use, you know, talking about a left wing, a Michael Moore type. Or, um, well, imagine know, a, uh, some somebody from Hollywood saying, what do we have in common with these people from Iowa? Exactly. What do we have in common with these people from Missouri? Oh, my goodness. They hate America, right? They he, hate America. And it, who turns out to hate, hate America? Because you know what? I mean, New York is America. I'm sorry. New York is more America than any part of America. <laughs> Come on. I mean, uh, like, I'm not like, sure about California, but you know, Wisconsin, <laughs> New York, I can vouch for them. Yeah, match this after 9-11. But look, I mean, what he would have said, besides that they hate America, is that they're decadent and spoiled and elites and they don't understand uh what's happening in the country. And that's true about Rush. I mean, the thing that I that when I hear that is I, I just hear a scam artist. I hear a scam artist that's had to raise the temperature and raise the temperature and raise the temperature and raise the temperature higher and higher and higher to get to a point to, you know, to continue to feed his audience, you know, the heroin that they need. And now, you know, to get as he's giving them higher and higher doses of heroin, what they require is we need a civil war. We need a coup. Like that's where we, that's where we've gotten. And eventually, you know, like this, the, the rubber band of this tension snaps and we got to pull it back. I mean, this is preposterous. Charlie, like when you think about the seriousness of the divisions in the country with the actual civil war, and I know I don't have to, you know, lecture you or our audience about this, and you look at the divisions now, it's almost like what is he even talking about? Like well, what are I, like what are the divisions idea. that are so great besides dislike for our lying president? I mean, the cultural divisions are not actually that great in our country right now. Hey, what exactly is he talking about? I mean, are we going to go have a civil war in secession over marginal tax rates? Over masks? Um, right. Over, over not over wearing masks and uh, social, social distancing, distancing during a pandemic? Like what? I, I just, I just, what is it? I mean, I like. Drag queen like story hour comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, like we're at a time people of. People who support drag queen story hours. Yeah, but I'm, I'm before the pandemic, we're at a time of unprecedented prosperity. Uh, you know, there is an unprecedented amount of exchange that is possible, you know, given our, our social media tools and given our technology about people from different parts of the country and unprecedented ability to travel. I mean, like the idea that there is this 
this chasm is it's 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 created out of whole cloth by hucksters and scam artists like rush in order to make people feel better about themselves like in order to tear down the other in order well, to feed these folks grievances it, 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 is, like, it, is, it is branding well, you know, also there are, okay, let, let's just, for the sake of argument, there are some real su- significant differences. Obviously, Wyoming is going to be very different than New York. Um, you know, clearly Georgia is going to be different than, well, not, not so much anymore, but to say Oregon's going to be different than, shall we say, South Carolina. But there's an answer for that in our system that every conservative in America understood up until five minutes ago. It was called federalism. It was called local control. It's the way that we actually moderated our differences, right? That we would have different policies for New York and New Jersey than we would have for Wyoming and Colorado and Montana. And we were okay with that because I know that for a lot of people on the right now, the word diversity has become toxic and obscene, but, but the entire system was set up to recognize that America is an amazing multicultural uh, nation that has many different you know, ways of approaching different issues. And we are okay with that, right? That we aren't uniform. Um, and, and so now, but now it's like, we have nothing in common with these people. The differences are so great. We have to talk about secession because <laughs> bloggers are writing about this. Well, okay. People's well, I... feelings are hurt, you know, oh. over an election result. Now we have to succeed. I mean, you know, talk about just like being a child, you know, talk about you know, childishness and talk about like letting your feelings get in the way of the facts. Like again, all these things that conservatives derided. I just, I just have to say it. Like I'm a, I'm a, a, a gay like uh, a California living former Republican with a multiracial family. I've got good, my good friends in Louisiana. I've spent a lot of time living in Iowa. Uh, You and me get along. You're living in Wisconsin. The last that I remembered, I mean like this, there is just like this fantasy that we are, that we have these irretrievable fissures in our country that is at the level of slave owning versus not slave owning. I mean, it's just, it's decadent. Is, is what it is. It's just a childish kneel. tantrum yeah. is all it is. So what's the other thing? It's like the, the kneeling at an NFL game. That's what we we're going to have. We, a... never, we should never disrespect the flag, except when we rip the flag apart by secession. So I'm making a list of all the things that turn out to be kind of, you know, conservative bullshit, things that we used to believe in. So, I mean, fiscal conservatism. <laughs> Okay, that we could throw that under overboard, right? Free trade, um, clearly uh, op- optional. Um, all of the talk about judicial restraint, well, that turns out to be bullshit since we're right now <laughs> going, hey, could we have some unelected judges for life overturn the election? So that whole judicial conservatism thing turns out to be bullshit. And now listening to Rush Limbaugh, and so the whole patriotism America, you know. Being you triggered, know, safe spaces, I'd like to add to that list. Yeah. So all of these things that conservatives used to say, these are our core values. When push comes to shove in this push comes to shove in this era, they're willing just to throw them away. Yeah. No, no, now, now we're going to have a civil war. We're literally going to have a violent insurrection in our country over the fact that we don't like that NBA players have Black Lives Matter slogans on their jerseys. I mean, like that's, that's what it. our culture war is about. Like this is unserious. I, like I, this I, is I, unserious I are, in the extreme. I, I think you are underestimating the the impact of the drag queen story hours. <laughs> uh, okay, so going back to this, what do you have in common with people from New York? Okay, so I understand that Rush used to live in New York and he's left New York and he lives in Florida. And so maybe that, that maybe that's what he was focusing on. Maybe he was talking about the media or he's talking about the election. But I'm sorry, there are 50 states in America that we could say we have nothing in common with. And um, why New York? This is, and, and I know that people are going to say, oh, Charlie, you're reading too much into this. Saying that we have nothing in common with the people in New York has been for 50, 60, 70 years, a code word for saying the Jews. And I'm sorry that there's there's there is no way for me to listen to that without detecting the anti-Semitic undertone. And whether Rush meant that or not, you know that that's the that's the dog whistle that goes out in the MAGA world. You know, who are these small elites in New York? Because he's not talking about the elites in California. He's not talking about the elites. Why? Just New York. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I, you don't you don't you don't have, you don't have to endorse my my paranoia there. But 
Um, I, I, guess I, I don't. That's every, very every, possible. I would add one thing though. Donald Trump's from fucking New York. I mean, that just I shows am, how preposterous this whole thing is. Like the whole person that is the lightning rod from all this. Like uh, you know. Rudy Giuliani's from New York as well. But so that's that's. I'm not the, sure if I belong in the same country as Rudy Giuliani. Actually, now that I think about it, so maybe me and maybe Rush has 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 a small point about that. So speaking of Rudy Giuliani, how about that story in the New York Times that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani got treatments for coronavirus that are unavailable to the little people, to anybody else. This is this is the interesting so moment of, of populism. You know, we're we're we are the populace. We are the voice of the of the little man. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know where the little guy is right now? The little guy is, you know, is is in these long lines at food banks in America, speaking of the other surreal thing, that you have 3,000 Americans dying, you have this massive number of unemployed, the terror of people who don't know whether they're going to get food for the holidays at a time when we have, and I know I'm going to sound like a lefty here now, 30,000 Dow, um, and people, at the moment people are dying, you have these super political connected elite getting drugs that are not available to the unwashed, I mean, this is a weird moment in American culture. You want to talk about divide. And and yet we need to worry about the this terrible divide about this, professional I, athletes kneeling or something. I you, guess. you you are correct about the populism of this, Charlie. I mean, the just the phoniness of the populism. I mean, this is what this is about. It's about pardons for his friends. It's about special treatment when they get sick. You know, it's about favor trading. Uh, you know, look, I mean, Rudy Giuliani traveled around the country and was not only irresponsible in the way that he handled the virus, not only didn't follow the CDC guidelines, uh, he was derisive of them. He, he he was at these phony show clown coup hearings where people would wear a mask and he would he would kind of snap at them and tell them to take off their masks so that he could hear them better. Uh, and, and, you know, the entire Arizona legislature had to go into quarantine because, because of Rudy Giuliani's behavior um, and, you know, in his fake attempt to overturn the election. And, and, you know, so I, I do think that people have a, there is a righteous populism here. I think that people do have a right to be mad that yeah, Rudy Giuliani is getting special treatment in the hospital after the way that he behaved. When in some places in this country, you know, there 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 are some limit. You know, beds are becoming a question. You know, what kind of treatment people is getting? How long they can stay in the hospital? Um, you know, for for people who who did the right thing and and you know, or who had to work. You know, because either they were frontline healthcare workers, or they had to work to feed their family, or they'd work for whatever reason. And you know, now they're 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 sitting behind Rudy Giuliani, who's who's just flamboyantly flouting the rules. That 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 people should be pissed about that. So how come Not- Democrats aren't pounding on this? Boy, I don't. I, they, they, I, they've I, been very mellow lately. I yeah, but, and and I understand it from Biden. I I do. I I I understand Biden's mindset here, which is that let's get through this 40 days and see if I can actually work with these guys and get something done for a hundred days. I don't think it'll last forever, but maybe I'll have a window to get something done. It's, it might not work, but it's, it's worth a try. If he wants to not have total gridlock, I I don't get it from the DNC, from uh, the DSCC or from the house and the Senate leadership. I, I do think that Nancy and Chuck are, are out of touch. I, I think that it would benefit the Democrats to have a change of leadership in the House and the Senate. I, I, you know, it, it is it is mystifying. I do feel like some days, like we at the Bulwark, are being tougher on Donald Trump than the DNC yeah. and Chuck and Nancy are. And I don't and I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. And and I think that um, you know, Brian Boitler makes this point a lot. He writes over at Crooked Media, and he he says, you know, a lot of the media, for better or worse, for worse, frankly responds to the process stories that politicians put out. So, you know, if a, if a, and, and Trump gets this and the Republicans get this, you know, if, if they say we're going to have a hearing about this, you know, or we're going to, you know, make an announcement about this, or we're going to file a, look at what Krebs did. Krebs gets this, you know, we're going to file a suit about this. Then that gets coverage. Right. And, um, and, and the Democrats have just seemed very, passive um about doing that on a lot of these um in a lot of these areas now trump gives so much so you know it's kind of like how do you pick but some days but but, but i think that's a fair criticism of the Democratic yeah i mean leaders. They're, the, 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 they're, 
turning the populism around on him seems like an easy thing to do. Okay, so let's talk about uh, YouTube. You have a great piece. You have the lead on the bulwark right now. Um, YouTube announces yesterday that from now on, they're not going to uh, put up any, you know, MAGA disinformation about the election, and you're you're not buying it. I mean, this this was a big rollout for YouTube. So you you don't think this is uh, YouTube's come to Jesus moment? No, no, they aren't. And you know, I think that Facebook's in the crosshairs right now for good reason. And YouTube's like, well, you know, I want them to continue to to take the focus. So so you know, we'll do just enough. To, to get some elite plaudits and to get some hand clapping. Um, uh, uh, and, and I think they did take down 800 videos or something. They said, uh, um, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but, but a, a relatively significant amount. And they did make, to their credit, some changes about, you know, if you're searching for, say, Stop the Steal on YouTube, like right. they're surfacing to the top of that, like news stories about the truth about, about Stop the Steal rather than like some crazy person's uh, Stop the Steal YouTube page. All that said, though, um, they didn't really do a whole, they didn't really try very hard. And, you know, I went through a lot of these sites that I've been monitoring, um, uh, you know, the, the, the obvious ones, Newsmax and OANN. But, you know, on YouTube, I've been looking at there's this thing called Right Side Broadcasting News, RSBN, that has taken off. It has a million YouTube subscribers. Their whole page, they're, they're following this bus tour with the My Pillow guy where they travel from city to city and talk about fraud. It's the whole it's the whole raison d'etre of the, of the group. And, and so if you're going to make an so announcement. Is it, is, it, is it an actual organization company? Is it just a group on YouTube? It what seems is- like it was. It seems like it's a news organization fund. I, now I haven't, you know, done full full research on this. We might have some follow ups, but but based on what I've I've seen, it seems like a funded by my pillow guy, you know, basically online right wing news outlet. Um, you know, there was this other one I'm called really? yeah, there's this other one called NTD, which is I'm sure people have seen the Epoch Times ads. Yeah. They have all this money from the Falun Gong, which is kind of a separatist group in china um epoch times is a print outlet they have a video outlet called ntd that also has a million followers all of their reporting is about um uh you know this you know fake coup and and the supposed election fraud um they haven't been taken down obviously newsmax hasn't been taken down i mean there was one thing in the youtube announcement where they said you know charlie that um that you cannot make claims about widespread software glitches. That was one of the things they said specifically in their press release. Well, here they are on the Newsmax page, Roger Stone, you know, saying that um, it appears to be very substantial evidence of cyber manipulation of the vote. So well, if Roger Stone says it. Yeah. Exactly. So here's the thing. I, the, the main takeaway I want to leave people with is that I, I spent 18 minutes on this. Like, this is not a situation. It took me a little longer to write the article, but I'm looking at the videos. Like This is not a situation where you have to thank me for you know spending hours upon hours of, of watching the brain poison. I literally just searched on YouTube the most obvious things, the sites that I know about. Um, you know, the names of the people who speak at these Stop the Steal rallies, you know, like this scam artist, Ali, Ali Alexander. Um, and, and I went to their pages and, and, and these videos are still there. So like these, uh, uh, this disinformation is going to, is finding a way. Like it is going to continue to find a way. Uh, it is going to continue to find a way as long as there are people that want it. And as long as there are scam artists that decide that they want to be able to make money off of it. And and those have proliferated. And so, you know, if there, if you're, if we're going to have an expectation that there's going to be moderation about this, like it's going to have to be far more severe and maybe people aren't comfortable with that. And that, and that, and that might be fine. I think that's a debate worth having, but, but we can't just sort of look the other way and say, Oh, great. YouTube took down 800 videos, like problem solved. Uh, it's, it's not even close to being solved. I'm just, like I said, I'm just one guy that took 18 minutes. Imagine, yeah. imagine what happens when you start getting down the depths of, of, um, you know, getting down the recommendation hole. This is this is disturbing on so many different levels, including the fact that I'm not sure that that even YouTube could squeeze the the water balloon with it, you know, and and make a difference. But the what you're describing though is a new right wing media ecosystem yes. that includes places like Newsmax. I mean, the fact that that Newsmax actually beat Fox News in one hour and one demographic um, uh, this week is is actually a big deal. It 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 shows that. 
this kind of conspiracy theory uh, stuff can actually sell. And I think you use the analogy of, you know, we get people hooked on heroin and they need more and more and more. And now you need the pure crack. That's what Newsmax and these other folks are doing. And if they're not getting it from mainstream right wing media who've been crazy enough and willing to go along with this, they're going to go even crazier. And so to a certain extent, I think a lot of folks on the left have been fighting the last war. They're all focused on talk radio and and uh, Fox News. Fox, we, we may be in a position where, you know, five years from now, we'll nostalgically look back on, hey, do you remember the good old days of Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram before the crazies came? <laughs> because this was, it's just, it, it's, it's an entire new ecosystem that's below people's radar. And so people are still talking about Fox News and they should be. I'm not saying that's not legitimate, you know, when in fact, you know, the crazy caravan has really moved on. The the window of nuttiness has really moved, you know, has shifted. Uh, yeah. To the and this right. is something I'm going to continue to be following, Charlie, because I, I think that what you nailed it, that's exactly right. I mean, there are these niche outlets that are, that are feeding people the hard stuff and they're getting big, big, big time views. Uh, we were, we were just, you know, sort of looking around for curiosity's sake yesterday at some of the um, other, uh, political media sites and and their web rankings and some oh, yeah, of the yeah, stuff is, is a little right. yeah some of the stuff's unreliable mm-hmm. um, on on whether it's exactly right but the trends are generally right you know and and gateway pundit the, the crazy you know conspiracy laden uh, MAGA uh, news yeah. outlet is getting more views than like NBC.com. I mean, a massive views on Gateway Pundit. This is completely off the radar of, of a lot of folks in the mainstream media. There are some people that are co- that cover it well and closely over at the Daily Beast and other places, but a lot of people don't see this. The, a lot of this YouTube stuff is even below that on the surface. And I'm looking at some of these videos. Wow, again. Gateway Pundit. Yeah. Worse than Gateway Pundit. Yes, look, this Ali, this, uh, this Ali Alexander guy, I just want, just as one example. Um, the I only reason I knew who that is. Okay, exactly. Well, the only reason I did is because I was watching one of these stupid could stop the steel rallies and he gets up there and speaks and i recognized him because i would seen him in a another video before and i was like who is this guy and so i googled him turns out he did he's a scam artist used to be ali akbar and did credit card fraud or something and he's re you know reinvented himself as a maga grifter and and i went on his youtube page um and you know before all this stop the steel stuff before the election he was pushing this Joe Biden dementia theory. He's got this very in-depth documentary style, uh, frankly, uh, kind of vice-esque, serious looking. I mean, it doesn't look like Gateway Pundit. It looks pretty well done, um, uh, for, uh, you know, scare, uh, scarily. Half a million views. Half a million views. That's you know, lot. like that's not – this is not small potatoes here. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of that happening under the surface that we're going to keep watching. And, and I do think that's the way the media is going. There's some good parts about it, right? I think that's why we're working at the Bulwark, right? People are looking for niche outlets that fit their interests. But but there are a lot of folks out there that, that what they're looking for is is the crack cocaine. Nope. And, nope. and these guys are giving it to them. And, and everybody else in the – right-wing media structures kind of looking over their shoulder because they understand how dangerous it is to be outflanked. You know, and one of my theories about Rush Limbaugh going back to 2015 was I don't think he wanted to become Trumpian, but he was vulnerable and he knew that if he didn't go with Trump, that he would be outflanked by more extreme, more strident, younger competitors, and he would be, quote unquote, the establishment. You know, that's that sidestep. So all of these guys are looking over their shoulder and going, I don't want to be the fuddy-duddy here. This is what's coming. This is where the energy is. And so because I, I, I sometimes wonder about this, this vortex of craziness, how people who uh, like once thought of as reasonable, normal human beings end up spouting this crazy stuff. And part of this is this dynamic that they are constantly having to you know, shift to their rights so that they don't become irrelevant. So that Sunday they don't wake up and people go, well, you know, your, your last week's news, your last month's news, your last, you know, centuries. Or news, else, And that's a real anxiety for these folks. Yeah. Or else you have to overcompensate. Look at Mark Levin. You know, yeah, Mark absolutely. Levin is a great example of this. He was a never Trumper, you know, stalwart ben principled. Shapiro. Yeah. And now Levin's, Sunday night, I think it's Sunday, it's either Saturday or Sunday night Fox News show is like the most newsmaxy thing on the net. I mean, he's he he has gone fully all the way in on this because that's what you have to do. You have to earn back that quote unquote trust with this viewership by um 
you know, by going further and further with, you know, the, the Trump conspiracy nonsense. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, so what are you, uh, what what are you looking, what are you watching over the next couple of days? You know, I, I feel slightly guilty that I'm completely obsessed with the, 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 the nonsense. I know I should avert my eyes from it. I know that we should be talking about other things, but I have to, I, I have to say that, you know, that, Every once in a while, I just I wake up and I go, you know what? We are in the midst of a president of the United States, you know, frontally attacking an election. This is the story. <laughs> this is the, I'm sorry. I, I can't I, I can't move on to another story. You know, I'm with you. This and the virus. I, I mean, I, you know, again, we've talked about it a little bit, but it is only going to continue to get worse and worse um, up through the vaccine. And, you know, I saw something today that said that, you know, hospital hospitalizations might peak in in mid January, you know, and so now we're having the worst days that we've had mm-hmm. of the whole time. And, and, and so this, by the way, this is all, all of this stuff is related, but you know, I, I don't want to lose sight of, of many of these same grifters that are pushing the Trump fake coup. We're also pushing, you know, the fact that the virus was, you know, a fake, you know, or that oh, and uh, they'll, they'll be anti-vaxxers next year. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the great vax war of, of 2021, I'm just not ready for that yet. But you know no. that they they will morph to that. In fact, this My Pillow Guy tour that you were describing. Um, oh, that'll be an anti-vax tour next year. Well, yeah. that's right. I mean, did you see what, what one of the guys said in Madison? He said, if anybody tries to force me to uh, take a vaccine, I'm putting a Glock to their forehead. Yeah, there was a congressman, and I think it was is it Andy Biggs. I'm going off the top of my head from Arizona, uh, who, who was attacking Doug Ducey, saying that oh, Doug Ducey is going to be pushing forced vaccinations next year. So it's an, it, this is again, this is rising the level of Congress. So that is something to watch. I'm I'm totally with you on on the electoral stuff. It it, it is not something for us to avert our eyes from. But I, I just in this whole theme of the kind of misinformation and the YouTube stuff, I, I think it is instructive to look you know, back at the fact that in March and April, you know, the Alex Berenson's of the world, I wrote about that sports talk guy, Clay Travis, a lot of these people in Trump world that were pushing this, the virus hoax, you know, they were saying 5,000 people are going to die. 10,000 people will die at the most at the very beginning. Here we are, we're going to have between 300, 350,000 die this year. It's just think about how far off you have to be. (laughs) I mean, they were 800, 900 times off in their prediction you know it would have been well they've apologized for that right no nobody's apologized and nobody's changed and they're and they're how can you be that wrong and still not realize that maybe this is something you should just you know shut the fuck up about yeah, I mean, you know look, what i'm saying I, yeah i mean look i was for example i was wrong about the 2016 election uh oh, and i've you know spent five years flogging myself <laughs> and at the meantime I, by the way i was only off by you know, a couple hundred electoral votes or so. Like I wasn't, I mean, which isn't good, but I wasn't off by three hundred thousand deaths. Yeah, but but the 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 instructive thing for me, Charlie, is that their audiences are are still coming back for more. Like, like you, you would think that these people would start looking around and being like, "Wait a minute, I, 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 these guys seem to have missed the mark on a pretty serious thing here." That's not the case. I was listening to. Um, just, uh, I was listening to, uh, suffering through an LSU podcast, we're having a bad year. The team is, and, and the host of this podcast is a, is a, you know, Trumpy kind of guy. And he usually just talks about sports, but he just made an aside about the Corona crazies, you know, might want us to cancel this game because, uh, Nick Saban has, has the virus. And I was like, the crazies, like you're still pushing this, the, the virus crazies will take it seriously with 300,000 dead. And so I, I just think as we look forward, when you're wondering how can this still, you know, is it really possible that, that, that four years from now, these people will still think that the Trump election has been stolen from them. Yeah. I I guess I just say, if you look around right now and you see that people have, have had 300,000 of their fellow countrymen die of a virus and still think it's either fake or not a big deal. Yeah. I still think that they'll believe the Trump stuff four years from now. Well, isn't this that definition of, of ideology or, or religious faith or whatever, that it's not falsifiable. It's like, you know, there are beliefs that are, okay, here's my theory and we'll prove whether it's true or not. But then there are some of these beliefs that no matter what happens, 
the person will not recognize that it was falsified. There's always some way of rationalizing. And I think that that we are in that moment in our culture and in our politics right now, because I, I don't know about you, but but if somebody gives me in, misinformation or, you know, clearly wrong, I'm going to move on from them. I'm not going to rely on them as an expert anymore. Right. If somebody lies to my face, um, I'm probably it's going to fundamentally change my relationship with that person. And yet none of those mechanisms seem to work. Right. And the people go back to the people who were just egregiously wrong or clearly have misled them and lied to them. And the, there's some like switch that hasn't been, you know, used, <laughs> whatever. Ugh, we're going to have to do an uplifting Christmas episode or something next week. I've got hey, a great Christmas hear- playlist that I might share with people, give, you know, spark a little joy. Well, the good news is uh, we went and got our Christmas tree yesterday. Same. Bought the Christmas tree, brought it home, you know, put it on top of the car, managed to actually take the twine and put it around my door to the point where I can't get it open. I don't know if people have done that. It was funny because I was sitting thinking, you know, there are some idiots who will put the Christmas tree on the, on the car and then we'll have the twine around in such a way that you can't open the door of your car <laughs> as a way of doing it. I was actually thinking that and then I realized I just did it. So anyway, can I tell you something just really quick, embarrassing and uh, decadent myself? We, um, my husband and I got to the tree, uh, whatever. It's not really a farm here in Oakland. It's like a parking lot under an overpass. And, uh, you know, our our daughter picked out the tree and we got up to the front and there's a little thing that says 30 bucks to have the tree just get delivered. So you don't have to put it on top of your car by yourself. And we just did it. Oh, that's we just nice. we treated ourselves so we didn't have to deal with the twine and huh. uh it, it made me feel a little you know my masculinity was in question uh, no, for for uh, a moment but uh we went we went for it and you know it's it, it really turned out very nice it worked out see, great for everybody there are people who are listening to this who are first of all mocking me for the twine thing but also saying that real men go out and they cut down chop their own trees <laughs> they don't go to a lot they chop the tree down themselves. This is why we so need to secede. This is why we need to secede. Real men in Florida, like Rush Limbaugh, you know, uh, they chop down their own trees, and us effete Oakland hipsters, we get we pay somebody to bring us the tree. I think I think we need a civil war over this, Charlie. Okay, so this is the thing. I'm I'm sorry, we're done. I know this, but but you know, Rush Rush Limbaugh and and Donald Trump being these avatars. And- <laughs> No, being real men. Do you think they've ever chopped down a tree or cut a branch or mowed a lawn in their lives? I mean, or used a snowblower, for God's sake, people. Little pudgy fingers. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. See you, Charlie. And thank you for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again.